Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth, and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Years ago, I had a particular question with God. And um, when I asked that question, he answered me in a rather very amazing way. And I realized that sometimes for us to have the right answer, we need an elevation of vision. Okay? An elevation of vision. But if the vision of a man is not elevated, sometimes the answer might not suffice. I'll give you an example. When the servant of Elisha sees the armies that are surrounding them from every side, he sought for a solution. What were two men in a house going to do against an army that had sword, spear, javelin, and shield trained for years? What were two men going to do? And so his eyes, the scriptures tell us, were blind. Okay? Spiritual, not physical. The physical eyes had the realization of how many people were around him. And how many people were against him and Elisha. He must have been so terrified to be in the house with his Lord. The master that he was serving at that point. And a group of armies are surrounding their house ready for a kill. And I can imagine, or if you can imagine yourself in that house and people are surrounding you, not one, not two, not three. Okay, probably by the hundreds, they've come for one fellow who they feel has been hindering their progress and success over Israel. And the servant of God comes scared to the prophet and he tells him, Master, for the armies are surrounding us. And before God gave the answer to deal with the armies that were surrounding them, through, of course, grace, the prophet of God had to pray a prayer. And he said, Father, God, open the eyes of this my servant, this young man, that he may see how many are on our side. So his vision was opened. And when his vision was opened, he had another understanding of the solution of that present hour for the challenge that surrounded him. That means there were two men in the house, but with two different visions. And because they had two different visions, they had two different answers or supposed solutions for the challenge that was at hand. The only advantage was that the eyes of this young man were opened. We don't see Elisha stricken with fear. We see a man going about his business 
that the servant has to come to inform him. Oh, master, we're in trouble. And then you see the man of God come. Because he has a certain understanding. And that is why when you have a certain understanding in God, when you have a certain vision in God, the answers come differently from the man who is not in the realm of your function. Somebody shout hallelujah. And that is why before certain answers come, it's incumbent on God to give you a certain understanding or vision. Because once you see a certain way, certain answers come differently. Praise God. And sometimes some of you, you have prayed to God for something. You've believed God for something. And you have failed to see the answer, the solution of that thing. For years you have believed God. You have prayed to God. You've sought out his face for your life, for your ministry, for your business, for your marriage. For many things, because it's evident you need the answer. And most of these things, some of which are obviously in the will of God. For example, healing is the children's bread. And then you're praying, but you're not seeing breakthrough as you ought. You've believed God for a certain financial breakthrough. But you're not seeing that financial breakthrough. For years you're praying, you don't seem to find answers. Why doesn't God answer me? Why is God silent? Pastor, I have prayed, but God is not answering me. Have you ever thought for a minute that maybe God cannot answer you because of from where you see? You understand? That if he should give you an answer, it will not be an answer because of your present vision. The place where you are in the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? If you resurrected a person who was dead 2,000 years ago. And then you tell them. I have given you a media company. That is going to allow you to preach through the whole world. They might never understand what you mean. Because in that time, there was no such technology for them to connect to. It might be so hard for them to understand unless they see it with their eyes. Vision. You understand what I'm saying? And so I have seen that God is in the mastery of elevating our vision to give us answers and solutions in every challenge that we have. Because if your vision is not elevated you will not have the full understanding of a divine solution. God's answer for your issue. That is why when you have prayed for so long for a challenge and it has failed to leave, maybe, just maybe, ask God, what must I see? What am I missing in sight? You'll be amazed at the things God wants to show you first before he can explain to you the thing in which he wants you to enter. Because if your vision is not elevated, you might ask for things below your placing in the spirit. Are you hearing me? And placing is everything. Positioning is everything. Because without positioning, I tell people you carry no direction. You carry no direction. It's like going to a company and you have a degree or a master's at something. 
And then you go for a job you have no clue about, but you're desperate for that job because you have heard that it pays a good amount of money. And then you ask for that job and then they deny you that job. And then you're so disappointed, distraught. What devil is following me? And then after one week, the same company calls you and says, we're sorry. We could not give you that job because you were overqualified. I'm just giving you an example. You were what? Overqualified. And because you are overqualified, we have another offer for you. You probably that time before they call you, you're so distraught. Why was I rejected? Because all you thought you needed was money. But then something favors you in the other realm and positions you in a place where they see you higher than what you're applying for. Are you hearing me? This is their vision concerning you. But you also have a vision concerning that particular job. Are you hearing me? And so, if you were God, would you grant a man's prayer on an inferior vision? When there is a greater vision for that same man, if he knew how to get to it. Or you would labor to get him to the vision of where you want him. What does love do? What would love do? It levers to elevate a man's vision to make sure that that man gets the fullness of what is ordained for him. Because at that point, God is not looking at you as one looking for a job. No. God is looking at you as somebody who can be elevated to the next level of function and purpose and do things touching the kingdom of God that will exalt his name and expand this realm called the kingdom of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. And that is love. So he says we ask and receive not because we pray amiss. We ask amiss. We ask amiss. James says because we want to consume it on our own lusts. Because when vision is diverted, the spirit of lust is eminent. When divine vision is diverted, the spirit of lust is eminent. The perfection of beauty in God is the code of truth. Anything defined as beauty in God, the beautification of your life, the beautification of your ministry, the beautification of your marriage, the beautification of your business, the beautification of everything that touches you. And he promised you that he would do that. If he has to beautify everything touching your life, it is in the code of divine truth. He cannot go against his own set principles touching the success of a man. He says it. Somebody shout amen. You see, there is a bigger price for heaven when the vision of the church is cut short. And the zeal of God is in the definitive deliberation to see that the vision of the church every other day is elevated. Look at the power of prevenient grace. Okay? He tells Abraham... As far as your eyes can see, I have given you. So you might think as well that he's going to let Abraham in his own person see with his physical eye. No, but prevenient grace elevates the man's eyes to see the world. Yes, he told him as far as your eyes can see. But Abraham did not stay with vision in the physical realm. Prevenient grace comes into the man's spirit. And then elevates his vision to see the whole world as he is. And in the next chapters, he becomes the father of the whole world. Abraham 
could not take himself there. That is why the book of Romans says, for if justification was by works, <laughs> if we are talking about the justification which is by works, there was no way Abraham would justify himself before God. But the Bible says that Abraham believed on God. And on believing God, he was justified. That rightness of the spirit is what gives him a certain precision of vision. To tell him for as far as your eye can see. But even more than that, I release the grace for you to see. It did not just end in how far you see. Because it's not just enough for God to say, for as many of the people you do this, so shall I give you. No, he goes deeper into giving you the grace. To see the way you should see. That is the God who meets Solomon in a dream. And cheats exams for him. And asks him. What do you want me to do for you in a dream? Because he knows if he's awake. He will ask for the wrong stuff. Somebody shout hallelujah. He gets to this man in a dream and asks him. What do you want? And the Bible says in Job. That when a man goes to sleep. God robs him of purpose and pride. So, how can he make a covenant with a man in a dream, which man is not purposed, except he wants to cheat for him, to ask for the things he must see, by elevating his vision in the covenant. That is called prevenient grace. Who understands what I'm saying? That is called what? Prevenient grace. Ephesians chapter 3, when he touches that, he says, 20, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think that's your personal vision. According to the working power that worketh in us. Give me the Amplified. He says, now to him who by consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, the Bible says he's able to carry out his purpose. His purpose. His purpose. He's able to carry out his purpose in you according to his power. He, God, is able to carry out his purpose and to do superabundantly far over, above all that we dare to ask or think, listen, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, Desires, thoughts, hopes, dreams. Now I have a dream. This is my vision. And it says I am willing to do exceedingly, abundantly, above your dream. But the power that makes that possible is in you. When you understand that, you stop praying like a loser. Are you hearing me? You stop praying simple prayers. Sometimes I find myself making prayers like God, even beyond I can imagine. Even beyond I can dream. And I saw a place in God where our visions start to catch up with his vision. Because his becomes faster. Who has understood what I just said? I said his becomes what? Faster. Ask your neighbor, are you in the human dream or the God dream? Are you dreaming as a man or are you in the God dream? What does God dream about you? Huh? 
I'm a bit going to dig deeper. Because there's something somebody needs to catch. There's something you need to catch. It will change even the way you pray. So, I see that sometimes even the way we pray, you can invest too much time asking for very small stuff that sometimes God doesn't know how to fit into it. And it's not quiet because he doesn't love you. But it's quiet because he's still trying to figure how to fit in your small dream. Because the power he has put inside you. No, he said according to his working power in us. Huh? Do you know what that means? It means the thing he has put inside you provokes his dream concerning you. I wish... I have all the time to share with you the full picture of the seed and harvest principle. Because yes, I've said seed and harvest, I've talked about it, but many people get so involved and engaged in the doing and earning and not the being. And because of that, many of you, the world will never respond to you. The world will never respond to you. You'll be survivors. You'll go through life surviving. Because it's about what you do and what you earn out of what you do the cause and effect but seed and harvest is bigger than that god has not ordained that principle for a man to reap exactly what he has sowed it doesn't happen that way that's what people teach but that's the understanding of the world no he says give and it shall come back to you good measure pressed down second together and running over shall men give to your bosom no man in the mystery of this understanding was meant to reap exactly what he sowed. You will always reap a bigger measure of the seed you sowed because he gives seed to the sower. He cannot give a harvest of equal measure. That's not God. Otherwise, he frustrates the circle of the running over because the principle of blessing, it's in the realm of overflow. It's a flow. It's a flow. And because it's a flow... <laughs> It's circular. And now I'm going back to Kronos Kairos. Why do you think your clock goes like that? You understand? Even though you believe in the seed and harvest, I wish you understand that... See, the man sows a seed. Huh? And God said, and one reaps 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. What makes you think that you can sow one-fold and reap one-fold? That is why when you understand it, when you understand this principle, you respect the seed of vision. The seed of vision. In Ecclesiastes he says, come to the temple as one which comes to learn, not as them which come to offer sacrifices of fools. That when you come in the presence of God, you understand what the seed is. Luke 8, 11, the parable is that the seed is the word of God. When you come in the presence of God, you learn how to receive certain things. You you don't come. The, the house of God does not need your sacrifice. It needs your learning. You don't go to church like any other person. You don't go to service because it's Thursday. You don't pray because you had nothing to do. No. You go to service because there is something you're stirring inside you. 
There is something you're building inside you. There is something that is communicating in your spirit. And that thing is seeking to position you in a place where the God dream will happen on your life. That's the essence of the presence of God. But today men come in the presence and there is no learning with them. They sit in teachings but they never learn. Or at least they think they've understood what they haven't. And over years you see them fall off. You wonder, this person was learning. What happened? They looked like they were learning. You will know the truth, he said. And the truth shall make you free. So if there's any part of your life that you have not seen the freedom that you ought to see, maybe, just maybe, you're not coming to that knowledge of the truth. You're not coming to that knowledge of the truth. You're just a good church member. Do you know how many young people, I've seen it in some churches, where this young guy comes, he sings, and then he praises God, and then he goes away. He goes out, and the pastor preaches. And then you look at this guy and think, you think they need your worship? That's why our musicians are losing it. Many of them can't even quote a scripture in their songs now. They're singing words even they don't know their meaning. Somebody shout amen. When you understand that even as a preacher, you minister in the learning of a certain knowledge. You respect the altar. Not only as a giver, but as a receiver of the same. It humbles you more. Because you get the understanding. Seed harvest. So he says, how can a man plant much and reap little? Except there's a problem in this understanding. How can you be so prayerful without the results of a praying woman? Or a praying man? There's something. There's something. God wants to do exceedingly. Abundantly, above all you dare to ask. Dare to ask. Do you know the meaning of daring to ask? Daring to ask means the stuff you first fear to ask because it is so big. And then you collect your faith and ask it even if it looks so crazy. And then he says, but I'm willing to do far above that. You know, even when we are teaching the mystery of faith, I think we need to take men back to this understanding of prayer. And the whole essence of asking. Hey, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thrown yonder place and shall believe in his heart and not doubt that those things which he said shall come to pass. The Bible says he shall have whatsoever he saith. It took me so long, so long to understand that verse. Don't get me wrong. I did not say that he didn't have a certain understanding of it. I've told about doubting in the heart, haven't I? Some people think that confession is possession. Okay, confess. Then you confess and nothing happens. So we say, uh-huh. Why? No, but I'm not doubting in my heart. Okay, continue confessing. Then they confess. And after confessing, one time the spirit asked me, do you believe the words you say? I almost stupidly said, Yes. <laughs> But he has taught me so long enough to know that some questions asked are already putting me where I'm supposed to be so they can get me from there to take me to the next level. So I knew he was saying, 
you don't believe the words you speak. And it was not a matter of, okay, choose to believe the words you speak. When I asked him how, I was amazed the instructions he started to give me on how to believe the words I speak. He says, and shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. The Bible says he shall have whatsoever. Get on a healing meeting and see me. I don't pray on a healing meeting. If you've been on crusades, you've seen that. I don't pray on a healing meeting. I just declare. Just declare. The lame are walking. The blind are seeing. If there's anybody whose eyes are not seeing, they're opening right now. I see tumors disappearing. As I'm speaking those things, creative power is available. But you can never have that kind of effect if you do not believe the words you're saying. And it's not just the choice to believe the words you're saying. No, it's understanding how to connect to the anointing that comes through the words spoken. The articulation of the spirit. Huh? What I call the accent of the spirit. It gives you a certain language. That your speech is not light. It gives you a certain language. That your speech is not light. Your tongue is not light. You just say this is going to change. And it has to change. Whatever we declare on the altar. It has to happen. Some of you on day two remember when I sent out a word and I said, I see limbs growing. That day nobody came out. Next day limb grew. Because the word spoken could not come back without achieving that which the man had spoken. But you shall have those things which you believe you have said. You learn to believe the words you speak. And nothing is impossible to a man who is exercised in the same. But you see, the challenge is that many of us don't even know how to grow in faith. And so many of us exercise ourselves beyond the measure that we are able to carry. It's the young man who believed God for a car. And when he bought that car by faith, he can't maintain it. But he bought the car. She believed God for a marriage she can't keep. Who of you wants to build a farm? Or a house. And the Bible says, and counts not the cost. For peradventure, the Bible says you might fail to build it to the fullness. And people start mocking at you, saying, behold, he began a work and is not able to. The faith to keep what God has given you. Because it's one thing to say, I have believed God for this. But it's another to sustain something to the end. To the completion of the matter. There is a power and glory to that. It's bigger than many of you can assume. That is why many people have started things and those things in the middle have died. They've started projects and they've stalled. They've started ministries and now they want to hang up their boots and say, you know, I'm done. They've entered things so happily and they are weeping in the very things and they want to come out. Because they don't understand the power of completion. The thing that keeps you and sustains you. To the end. When I read the Bible. I am amazed. By this man called David. Because. David was the true example. Of what it means to cultivate. A certain relationship. With God in the absence of many eyes. There is still a confusion in certain people. That somebody can have a public testimony without a private altar 
I don't know why people get that so wrong. Every time. Even preachers. The people who think that you can have results openly. Without a certain way. In your private place. Some people think that it's possible. To be consistent in the spirit. Without a definitive experience. In your private space. With God. It's not possible. It can't happen. And the Bible says, and the God who sees you do in secret, he will reward you openly. We are not teaching the church how to deal with a God in the secret. We are not teaching people. The Bible says that the secret things, the concealed things, belong unto God. Anything concealed and hidden, the secret things, belongs unto God. And those things which are revealed belong unto us and our children forever. They belong unto us and our children forever. They belong unto us and our children forever. Now, if you read the Hebrew, the word there, things, belong, does not exist in the Hebrew language. In fact, the reading of that scripture would be, the secret is unto our Lord. Or the secret place is unto our Lord. Are you hearing me? And he says, and those revealed places in him belong to us and our children. In fact, in that reference, it's more of places in the spirit than things, things, as the English renders it. Every man is rewarded publicly according to their placing in the spirit. And he says, this does not only have the guarantee of your reward, it goes even to your family, your household, and your children. You can dwell in a certain place in God. And that place defines you so deeply that it will affect your whole father's household. And your children who shall come after. That's the God vision. But for you, you believe in God for a job, for a good church, for a good ministry. No, he wants to do through you something that will affect everyone connected to you and Get into your children and have an effect on your children's children's children. That a generation will be knitted after you. And they say from the time that woman came in our lineage. The destiny of those before us and after was changed forever. If you believe it, shout amen. And it's happening this evening. Let's go deeper. When you go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let me give you an example of David. Saul walks away from the precepts of God. God gets David, anoints him with oil. In verses 13, he anoints him in the presence of his brethren. The spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Are you following me? The day the spirit of God settled on David, God had exchanged authority in the spirit. But a man maintained an office. And I tell people, the thing I honor and the thing that amazes me about God. God can judge a matter now. And that manifestation takes years to manifest of a thing he judged. Sentence on an evil work is not done speedily. And so the hearts of men continue to be wicked. A man can do something. And God judges it. And that man stays okay. And some happens three, two, four years later. But God judged that matter long ago. 
I'm talking about the wicked, not the saints. He told Ananiah, the king, he told him, because you have instructed rebellion in the house of Israel, he told him, the earth shall swallow you up. And the Bible says, after six months, Ananiah died. God judged him six months before. But from that first month, all through sixth or seventh month, the man was fine. But God had already judged everything. <laughs> so some of the things we see on certain individuals now maybe were judged long ago. God is amazing. But don't worry, that's not what I came to talk about. So, example, Saul has lost his authority over Israel. But he still has the office. He still has the authority. He instructs his servants to go in and out as they may please. The garb is with him. The sceptre of authority is with him. The crown is on his head. The throne is there. The armies are aligned and commanded. His household is at peace. But God has put something on another man. And he knoweth it not. Now, what people don't see. Many of us begin from here. But what we don't see was the life that this young man had cultivated. In fact, the scriptures tell us that when he was a young man, he said that when I was a young man, still looking after sheep, he said, I always sought for this one thing, that the presence of God might return back to Israel. This was the one thing that stayed in the heart of David. David was a man who understood the power of dwelling in the presence of God. And just not dwelling in the presence of God with an inferior vision. But dwelling in the presence of God. To have an elevated vision. Of the God dream concerning your life. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That's why I said when you understand that. You stop going to church because you're going to church. You don't just listen to every man of God. But when you do listen to a man of God. There is reason why you listen to this particular one. You get my point. And you start to take your Christian life. A bit more serious. I, you know, I didn't pray. I also don't know why, but I just told myself I didn't pray. You understand? <laughs> oh. Somebody shout amen. amen. So the spirit of the Lord departed off Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord what? Troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player of an harp. Huh? Listen to this. Cunning player of an harp. And it shall come to pass that when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be well. They knew that if a certain spirit hits a king, it's only a man with a worshipping hand that can deliver him. Now, the Bible says, And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Now, I want you to be careful for the next verses. He said, Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, listen, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. He has told him who this man is. 
He is a Bethlehemite, a son of Jesse, cunning in play, mighty valiant fellow, a man of war, prudent in matters, a comely person with whom the Lord is. This has been told so clearly. And the Bible says, wherefore, Saul sent messengers unto Jesse. It was so clear that it tells him, go to that particular Bethlehemite called Jesse and send for me his son, which is with the sheep. He knew exactly what he needed because his servant had told him. Are you hearing me? And David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. Who loved? Saul loved David greatly and David became the armor bearer of this man. And the Bible says, and Saul sent Jesse saying, let David, I pray thee, stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. You know, he used to play the harp every time demons hit the guy until he realized he could not do without David. So it becomes more personal. And the second time he sends his servants again, Go back to Jesse and tell him, this boy is not just going to be visiting. I need him constantly here to preserve me when I'm crazy. Jesse sends his boy. And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took a harp and played with his hands. So Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. 17, we have a Philistine of Gath, Goliath. Now, you remember what Goliath was? was a threat the champion of the philistine army every man feared approaching him and you remember that day they want to attack but nobody has the ability to attack who goliath and david's father sends him to take food to his brothers right and he takes food to his brothers but before that there are men in a conversation in verses 25 and he says and the men of israel said have you seen this man that is come up? Surely to defy Israel, he is come up. And it shall be, listen, that a man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, one, will give him his daughter, two, and make his father's house free in Israel. Did you hear those things? Mark those three. Saul had said, Goliath is a threat to the whole of Israel. Now I want one man. If any man can kill this fellow, I will enrich him with great riches. I'll give him my daughter for marriage and I'll free his father's household in Israel. That means his father's household shall be free in Israel. They shall be elevated to statuses of princes. Celebrated, provided for by the wealth of the kingdom. 26, and David spoke to the men that stood by him. That means he comes and finds them in a conversation saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? I had this guy has to be killed. And David said, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? And taketh away, listen, the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner saying, so shall it be done to the man that killeth thee. Listen to Saul's vision for the man who kills Goliath. Saul's vision for the man who kills Goliath is I shall give him great riches. I shall give him my daughter and I shall free his household and his father's household. The vision of a man with the heart of God comes in the same mix and says, Who is this placing reproach over Israel? No, he's not looking at the riches. He's not looking at the wife. 
He's not looking at the freedom of his father's household. His vision is on the deliverance of Egypt. See the bigger picture. And then he said, who is this uncircumcised? Now he has entered covenant understanding. Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God. Now he's connecting to divine purpose. The men he has found discussing are discussing about getting a king's daughter, great wealth, and deliverance for their father's household. The man who has the ability to kill is not looking at the freedom of his father's household. He's not looking at a wife. He's not looking at great wealth. The Bible doesn't tell us that David went into that war to get a woman. The Bible doesn't tell us that David went into that war to get wealth. The Bible does not tell us that David got into that war to win freedom for his father's household. In fact, when he goes to Saul, Saul knows the boy. Because he has been playing harps for him before. I don't know that you know where I'm going. He knows the boy. The boy has been playing harps. But the challenge with Saul, Saul thinks this boy just plays harps. So he looks at him from where he is. And yet this fellow has a God vision. So he tells the boy, you are not able to fight. But because of your boldness, let me give you my armory. Let me give you my suit. Let me give you, let me give you my shield. My, he puts those things on. And he says, uh-uh. I can't put on something I've not proved. He takes it off. This is the boy who has been playing harps for the man which is possessed. David goes to Goliath. You see the man's vision maintained on a covenant. He didn't say, I've been looking for a woman. I'm tired of poverty. And my father's house came from Chanda Mukaka. Can't naku. No. The boy maintains the vision. He tells him, you come to me with sword and spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy? Because you're uncircumcised. My victory is over you. That faith swings this slingshot. Boom, boom, boom. Wah. Hits the man's face. Boom. And immediately Goliath was down. Some people celebrate the victory of David. But not many people understand what happened on that boy's life. Something happened on David's life. That particular day. That scales fell off Israel including Saul. And that day David was another man. In verses 55. After David had cut off the head of Goliath and brought it up to the king. Verses 55. Listen to this. When Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine. He said to Abner. The captain of the host. Abner. Whose son? Wait a minute Saul. Wait a minute. Who has been playing the harp for you? sent to for the boy who plays the harp for you. God can do something 
in your life that even your own biological father or mother will ask you, are you my child? Your own blood brothers can ask you, did you suck on the same breast? Were you raised in the same womb? Did you eat the same food? Are you Ugandan? That is called the anointing. He says that when the anointing shall come upon you, you shall become another man. Oh! Saul asked Abner, the captain of the hosts, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. Abner... You guard the king every day. This boy bypasses you when he's going to play. How can you not know? And the Bible says, and the king said, inquire thou whose son the stripling is. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in the hand. And Saul said to him, whose son art thou, thou young man? And David answered, but I'm the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Hello? What changed in a flip of seconds that the same boy who was playing the harp for a king could not be recognized after one victory, something settled on him. That is why if this prayer exists, I pray it. That may God put something and do something through you. That those who see you will ask you, are you really who you are? Because they might think they know you. But I decree and I declare that this is the year and the season. God is going to do something in your life. That those who thought knew you will be shocked. They never had a clue. Somebody receive that. I say people will look at you and not be able to recognize you. The same person, they will look at you and say, who are you? That's something only the presence of God can do. Oh, are you seeing what I'm seeing? This only happened because one young man caught the God vision. But remember, by the time he asks this young man, whose son are you? He has a pledge to free the father's household. David did not fight Goliath to free his father's household. David's household was freed because he defeated the reproach of Israel. Who understood what I said? He did not go to face Goliath so he could free his father's household. He went to face Goliath because he needed to lift the reproach of Israel of that nation. He did not go to attack Goliath because he wanted wealth, prayer, free my household, 
Father, we are tired of poverty in our family. Free us from poverty. Let me serve God until our house is freed. Let me pray until God makes me wealthy. Let me do this until God gives me a husband, a wife. Look at that vision. David did not ask for any of that. David faced Goliath because he had the bigger vision. The deliverance of Israel to take the reproach off. He was standing before an uncircumcised man and he's saying, how can this uncircumcised thing defy men under a covenant? That was his vision. The bigger vision answered the lesser. Who has understood what I just said? And more than that then, the Bible says God made a covenant with David and his seed after through a covenant of salt that the household of David shall rule forever. Even Jesus comes through that man. God humbles himself that when it comes to David, he comes as a son. Because he's saying, catch the God vision. Stop asking for a job. Ask yourself, what am I to do for this world? Stop asking for a car. Ask yourself, what is my part in the gospel? Stop asking for a man. Ask for your voice to be elevated. That souls will be one and people will be brought to the serving power. Stop being emotional. And petty. There's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. Who understands what I'm saying? I say there's a lot at stake for us to be petty. For us to be petty. God not only freed the household of David, but he freed David's seed. Forever, anybody in the lineage of David was blessed. Solomon took over David. He went and broke the divine order of the spirit and brought other gods in that temple. And God comes to Solomon and tells him, I am supposed to punish you because you have brought other gods in this presence. But for the sake of my servant, David, I'll pass this on your children. I'll take the kingdom from you, from your children. Not from the man David left it over. He honored. Why the curse fails to fall on the sun and goes on the ground. Why Noah could not curse Ham, but he threw it on Canaan. You need to understand how the father and son relationship works. Why not true man of God can curse his own son? Something changed on that man's life. The Bible says in 18 chapter verses 10, it came to pass the next day after killing Goliath. The Bible says, after killing Goliath, the Bible says it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking. This is Saul speaking to David. The soul of Jonathan, the Bible says, was neat with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. If you read the scriptures later, you start to see Jonathan fighting his father besides David. 
yet he was the firstborn of Saul. That means, arguably, he should be preparing himself to take after. But there is something, there is an authority that settles on David. That humbles even the man who thinks he's next in line. And he positions himself to fight for a bigger cause. Because he met a man with a bigger vision. When you connect yourself with a God vision, this is what God is saying. Your generation favors you above itself. That even the man who was supposed to be first in rank. After the death of Saul. Who should be preparing himself to be king. When he saw what was on David. Something in him submitted itself to the anointing on this man. And from that day he never cared for David to be king. And himself. Because Jonathan saw the bigger vision. I'm talking about the anointing. That will find placed men by reason of right and positioning. And they will give space for you. Because they will weigh themselves and feel less the vision on your life. If they fear God. That is the thing that makes us meet men with greatness. And grant them our own opportunities. Because there is something on their lives. If we don't celebrate we would die. If Jonathan never celebrated what was on David. He was going to be buried with his father. So it's a matter of life. And death. And as that generation favors you. The rejected one sets himself against him. It always happens that way. Saul never set himself against David. Because David was doing more necessarily. Saul set himself against David. Because he was awakened to rejection. He knew God had rejected him. In fact. When you read the scriptures. You see that at one particular point. Again a spirit comes back on him. On Saul. And David comes to play the harp as usual. Hoping that he's coming to play it. And the Bible says the evil spirit on Saul. Got a javelin and said I shall kill David today. And swung it. You almost killed David. That day. The devils that could be calmed. By the worshippers harp. Could not come what was on Saul. Anymore. Because as the ranks elevate. The attacks change. He used to play the harp. And the thing goes, this particular time, as he played the harp, Saul got the javelin and threw it to the wall. And he said, I want to kill David. And David avoided out of his presence twice. He had to flee. And from that day, the Bible says, Saul feared David. He was afraid of David because... The Lord was with him. Don't expect an elevation without a change of attacks. And I tell people, maybe let me say it the other way. When the attacks change, celebrate the elevation. 
Celebrate the elevation. It's another way to see it. The brighter way. The God vision. Some of you, you have prayed and failed to get answers because you're praying the wrong way and with the wrong vision. Open your mouth and pray. Pray. In the secret, the quiet place, stillness you were there. The secret, the quiet hour, I wait only for you. Cause I want to know you more. Pray. I want to know you. When I hear your voice. I want to know you more. I want to touch you, yeah. When I see your face Come on, pray in the spirit I'm reaching For the highest goal Pray, pray That I might receive The prize Pray Prison on words Pushing in out of my way Cause I want to know I want to know you to hear your voice I want to know you more I want to
that may you see the bigger picture. May you serve for the bigger picture. May you endure for the bigger picture. May you submit for the bigger picture. May you sacrifice for the bigger picture. May you seek for the bigger picture. May you spend and be spent for the bigger picture. May you be broken for the God vision. I see there are people here. Seekers of higher things. But of whom God has been seeking to. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears to their cry. I see God put it on you now. I see God cast vision. Are you the 
sister he was born with? Are you the daughter we had years ago? Are you the son we produced? Are you the one? Are you really the one? Are you really the one? Are you really the one? May God separate you. May the God of David. 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 May the God of his servant David encounter you. May the presence of God fix a mark on your life. Somebody pray in tongues. Thank you, Lord. 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 I sense an elevation. Somebody say, I receive it. An elevation of vision say I receive it and that thing is going to separate you from the man you know now some of you in a few years to come we will not even believe we shook your hands we will not even believe we knew you we will not even believe that you were on these grounds one day because of where God is gonna take you and some of you better seize these moments because nations are going to need us so much. Hey! Somebody give the Lord a mild praise. Clap your hands like it is done. Clap your hands like it is done. I say clap like it is done. Clap like it is done. done. Clap like it is 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 done. Believe these words. Believe the words you spoke in prayer this evening. Oh, yeah. If you're sick in your body, receive your healing. Now, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, repeat these words after me. Say, Jesus, today I've heard your word. I believe everything that you died and rose again for me. I give you my life, my heart, my body, my soul and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International.
For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at UMA Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero, make manifest.